I'm here with one of my great friends, Stephen Webb, um, or Sweb, as so I've been told. How are Sorry. you? I'm good, and it's definitely Sweb. No H, just Sweb. So you're doing good so far. Just Sweb, baby. Let's go. Um, and today we're going to be, I'm just going to be asking you kind of some questions. And honestly, it's, as if I had 30 minutes to sit down with coffee with you, um, just yeah. some, some well, of your knowledge, because I, if I've learned from anyone in the past two years, um, it's been from you from afar. I'm just looking at your mm. social media posts and podcasts now and sending people to think less now because I'm already hooked. So appreciate you Good. already and all the value you bring. Cool, man. Thanks for that. Yeah. So kind of jumping in, um, tell the listeners, viewers a little bit like, who are you? Who are you? What do you do? What have you done in the past 10, 15 years? Um, just yeah. so you kind of understand who you are. Yeah, cool. Uh, so yeah, so I'm Sweb. Everybody calls me Sweb, friends, family for the last about 12 years or so, but technically I'm Stephen Webb. And uh, born and raised in Texas, took a lap around from Denver, Charlotte, Orlando, and now I'm back in Texas. Uh, we did that lap in about 12 years or so. Married for uh, coming up on 15 years here in a couple of weeks. Mm. I got a seven-year-old boy named Stellan and a 10-year-old girl named Summer, and they're great. Um, we do a lot of really... Um, chill thing i'll pick them up from school today and we'll go to the pool man like it's just that's that's kind of the life the last couple of years yeah. uh for i was born into a pastor's house or a minister's house preacher pastor music guy whatever different mm -hmm. positions over the years but i was born into that and so that's not all i've done but it's most of what i've done for the last 20-ish years or so is worked on staff at a few churches and then uh probably where i got to know the most amount of people and uh got to do some of them more fun things because we got a bigger budget was the 10 years I spent on staff at Elevation, of course. Uh, and then I still still do a lot of church building, although now I'm uh, just on my own, consulting, coaching church leaders, having conversations like this. Uh, I write a lot. I don't publish it anywhere. I just write a lot. So one of these days, maybe I'll turn that into something. Uh, so so yeah, at the end of the day, though, I like to, I like to build the church, but I do it through yeah. building leaders who build teams who build the church. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something I really value about you because I, my background is not the church. So yeah. I, I lead in the church, but not yeah. from a place of, I've just been a part of it. I kind of have a different perspective of things. And mm -hmm. I think that's why I've been able to glean so much from you is like, it's not just the basic um, four principles to pastoral <laughs> care, you know, it's like we're yeah. actually dealing with real people with real issues, but also very much yes. a, real, a real team and a real organization. Um, yeah. And I love um, the, as of recent, I've been hearing about your, the cliches that you're not too, <laughs> um, and I'm an Enneagram eight as well. So it always gets me fired up a little bit, but, um, man, so, I mean, even the past couple of years, you said you've been on your own, like, what is something that you've been processing? Um, not really like being on staff, you kind of do your own thing, but helping a macro yeah. level, um, like in the church world. Man, um, I feel like, and it took me a minute, uh, I say a minute, it took me a couple of years to figure out how to say it. But at the end of the day, if I have any sort of product that comes from me, it's it's mm -hmm. providing another way to think about things. I actually own, I think I still own the URL, another way to think about it. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't I don't prescribe a lot of, you know, four points and, hey, do this one thing and take this pill and, and pray this prayer. And all of a sudden you're going to be an expert leader, church builder, whatever the thing is. Right. Um, I, I just both I feel like a, a pretty solid skill and an annoyance for some people is that I'm going to just make you think and uh, that's even why we kind of landed on that name for a fledgling podcast I'm on now called Thinkless <laughs> is most people operate that way 
Yeah. Um, it's just like uh, robots. So anyway, um, at the end of the day, I just, I want to provide another way to think about it. And if people make uh, bad decisions or decisions that go against what I would say or do, or that's fine. I just want to ask the question, but did you at least think about it? And that's, yeah. that's kind of what I do and how I, how, how I do most of what I do. Tell a parent, same thing. You know, I, I'm not the, because I said so dad. Right. Uh, I'm like, a, hey, man, if you think that's the best way as a seven year old to get ahead in life, hey, listen, grow it. But did you think about it? You know, so <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll, I'll, I'll even parent that way a lot of times. So it's incredible. Yeah. yeah I mean, I again, I, I didn't grow up in the church. So being a part of I've been a part of two different churches and just seeing you go to one and it's like it's so different in the city and it's so different with the personality of the lead pastor. Yeah. Um, and I mean, even for you, like working with Elevation, like I. I'm familiar with, um, honestly, a couple of the guys that, um, like, uh, Greg and Parker and those guys that I'm listening to on your podcast, um, there, you guys are just so brilliant. And I feel like there's something in that though, that, um, there's been a consistently built people and leaders in that organization. Um, what do you feel like is that defining factor um, because I mean, we're, I'm on comp, like on zoom calls with LB and I'm like, this guy could make $20 million if he wasn't in the church world, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. um, like yeah. what do you feel like is that defining factor? Yeah, that's a good question. I, so big fan of elevation before still a fan now, after now, obviously I live in Texas, but I still will say this, uh, and I'll just put elevation as the example, but I'll apply this elsewhere. Right. I don't know that any organization is good at it. It's just a collection of people who might be good at it. Uh, so you, you mentioned LB, uh, man, he says all the right things. He's seen a lot of stuff. He can, he can lean into you pretty good and develop you, um, you know, probably further and faster than you could obviously just stumbling down the street by yourself, obviously. So right. to your point, he's good. He's on that team. Greg's on that team, some others. And so, yeah, there's a collection of them, but um, just, before I jump into my opinions on that or my thoughts on that, it's always good for everybody else that's not in that world, and especially it doesn't understand the inside of Elevation or any other large church. You could say Life Church or Hillsong or anywhere in between. It's not the organization. It's it's because uh, I feel like sometimes that chalks it up a little bit. Uh, it's too simple to say mm-hmm. that. And there's plenty of people who, of course, I won't say. There's plenty of people who aren't good at it at same organizations, you know. Yeah. So um, so all that to say, it's it takes an effort, uh, some intentionality, some focus on it. Um, Probably the answer that most people aren't thinking about to that question, like why it seems to work or, or, or how it did work at Elevation. Um, an answer that I think most people, I don't even know if they would overlook it. They just don't think about it. Um, it's, it's focus, man. Mm-hmm. So one thing that probably drew me to Elevation years ago, um, years and years ago, I mean, that's probably like, like uh, I'm coming up on um, maybe 15 or 16 years ago. I'd heard of Elevation 15 years ago. Wow. So uh, was their um, insane, obnoxiously simple focus on mm. doing three, four, five things. And they didn't have the coffee shop in the lobby, which is, you know, sacrilegious. You can't possibly grow a church without coffee. Like, how in the world is that impossible? You know, you can't do it. It's not possible. It's in the handbooks. You got to do it. Um, growth track type of things, uh, long classes, the uh, Saddleback class system, awesome system of the 80s and 90s. Nothing wrong, nothing wrong with any of these things. Right. But somehow they were doing church without that um and and being very effective at reaching a lot of people and keeping a lot of people uh and deploying those people into ministry developing them and and empowering them and all the things uh that you're talking about um but i think that allows for leaders to lead uh instead of manage and babysit ministry after ministry after ministry and meeting after meeting after meeting If, if you only have to you know connect with somebody get to know them 
uh, you know, kind of merge and align mission and vision of, of their life and your life and the, the bigger organization's mission and then move in the same direction. Uh, that's just, again, it's a lot easier to do if you're not babysitting 20 other ministries. So uh, it's a long way to get to kind of answering your question, but I mean, that, that is, a, that is a really good, a good environment uh, mm-hmm. is, and I'm using, I'm, I'm saying simplicity, not just elevation, but simplicity as a whole is yeah. a really great environment where I think developing better leaders, where that's all they have to focus on. Um, and that helps, you know, I think LB's job, just to use him, his, his job for, I guess, as long as I've known him, you know, he might've had a role in the org chart here or there, but the point right. is his job all along has been what you're calling development. That's all he's ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I did the same thing. My, my role, I've done a few different roles at the church and other churches, but generally speaking, it's like, man, how can I just hang out with Greg and tell Greg things that I know? Maybe he'll, you know, latch onto something and make it better. Right. Uh, I mean, Jesus just took a couple of dudes and said, let's go fishing for a little bit and roam around the countryside for a couple of years. They didn't have meetings. They didn't do class systems. They didn't do conferences. They just kind of were like, Hey, let's hang out for a little bit. And then, mm-hmm. you know, did it. And you, you know, again, I'm, I might be oversent or I might sound like I'm oversimplifying all of this, but I mean, at the end of the day, the, the common thread there is, you know, focus and simplicity that enables yeah. that, uh, that development you're talking about. No, it's great. I mean, you even think about like Chick-fil-A or Cane's. Like they're not they're mm-hmm. not adding items to the menu like they're just they know what they're great mm-hmm. at and they know how to replicate that and it's more yeah. culture and the experience than yeah sandwich is fire don't get me wrong like i could eat one every day <laughs> it's it's simple and to the point yeah um and i think that is something that i've had to learn as a leader is yeah my wife and i oversee like 10 plus teams but it's like well that's cannot happen so i need 10 plus leaders who think um like yeah. how or see what we see even, you know, not just like do mm-hmm. what we do with our hands. If we can set up pipe and drape all we want, but right. our team will die off in six months. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, that's right. That's um, right. for you, like what is something that you would give advice to for like retention on a team? So we have 150 people on our team. Um, what advice would you give to somebody who's leading people? Because people are at the end of the day, there's a churn rate, uh, obviously, but the mm-hmm. best possible case scenario of how to keep them. Yeah. Uh, man, I can't come up with the harder or deeper answer than simply adding value. Mm. Like people won't leave the thing that provides them life. They're just not going to do it. Yeah. Um, and, but I find a lot of leaders out there not providing life. <laughs> right. We need you, bro. We need you. Or here's a gift card. Well, people aren't working for gift cards. That's a, mm-hmm. it's a meager, sad little attempt uh, of church staff out there to bless volunteers. But it's just that, that that's not going to do it. Uh, I think also retention. I use that word all the time. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes it comes out in this connotation of I'm trying to like hold you, right? And I, no, I'd rather I'd rather be a magnet, you know, because mm-hmm. of the value I add. Um, not not I'm holding on to you. I'm retaining you. Right. So I think it's that simple. Again, if you if you just add value, people will stick around. Uh, I feel like people run off and find something else to do when they get bored. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not for lack of activity. It's, it's lack of, you know, production. Uh, they feel like, well, I mean, I'm here to do the volunteer job, but it's not very life-giving. So I'm going to, I'm going to go do the next thing. So then they right. fall out that way. Obviously they get frustrated, or upset, burned out, um, which very much in quotes for me, I hate the word, but when they do, <laughs> when they find, when they, when they burn out, you know, generally it's from a lack of fuel. They're not, they're not motivated. They can't connect themselves to the vision or the greater purpose, or they can't seem to figure out how they're making a difference, but that all can come back to like, they're just not connecting to the value. Uh, and that's typically an inconsistency in the language from leader uh, would be one way I see that that happens. But man, if you're just adding value, they're not going to leave the thing that provides them life. 
Um, and that's a real simple thing to do. No, it's great. I mean, I think about like how I've seen churches use like Psalm 92, those who are planted in the house will flourish as an mm -hmm. excuse to hold people in yeah. their church versus actually understand that like we're actually building a kingdom, not one church. Right. Right. Um, and that that to me is like a red flag central when somebody's um because honestly like as a leader you should be releasing people there should yeah. be a level of dude and honestly like those who are planted in the house shall flourish what is your house like able to flourish you know <laughs> there's a whole different mm -hmm. side of the coin of like is your house even flourishing um, yeah yeah but yeah i mean even for me like the like the, the conversation of transition and i even feel like that would be a good um kind of segue here like for you what yeah. is like two or three indications of somebody is looking to transition or probably should transition <laughs> looking to indicate uh, looking to transition and should um well those usually don't always line up um right. you know I, I feel like sometimes we can tell that that person needs to transition sooner than they could tell but then it's usually the opposite we're afraid to say something so we let them linger and suck the life out of the team for too long um, so that's a conversation in itself, I guess, but, um, oh man, it's probably a long list. A couple of simple things that stick out to me though. I mean, you can tell on somebody's face when they're done. Yeah. Um, uh, you can tell in their body language, you can tell how early they show up when they're excited. They're 15 minutes early, then they're 10, then they're five, then they're right on time. Then they're five minutes late with Starbucks in their hand. All right. That person's probably ready to move on. That doesn't mean be fired from the job. Right. Um, you know, Hey, let's find a new role for you or a new schedule for you or whatever. Uh, but you can see on their face, uh, in their countenance and their posture that and they're probably ready to move from this. Um, now, I don't know that I'm moving somebody that fast, though, either. And I'm a fast mover. Um, but before I do that, I'm going to figure out, like, wait a second, am I, am I the cost of this? Is there a small change I can make to, to you know, mitigate their, you know, lack of motivation? Or mm -hmm. I don't want them to fall off just arbitrarily. Right. Um, so there's that. Um, I So, yeah. Um, I could see it, man, when people should move off or transition to a new role, new, new anything. And that doesn't always have to be a negative thing, by the way, graduation, you've heard me probably say this, but like graduating, it's a positive thing. When you transition from high school to college, you graduated. Yeah. So transition doesn't have to always be negative. You need to graduate. You need to move on. Please don't stay in high school till you're 22. <laughs> right. So, um, so that being said though, I think, uh, you know, I'm going to want to move somebody on at the end of the day, if they're just not producing. You know, that that's the 20, 21, 22 year old that somehow still in high school. How's that even a possibility? And they're bored out of their mind, but they're just like too afraid to, to get out and do the next thing. You know, I, I'm, OK, I'm going to push you. I'm going to help you graduate from this to the next thing. And it might be on another church staff. It may be in another industry. I, it might just be you just land on the street and figure it out. And I'm going to do you a favor by teaching you, you know, from the school of hard knocks, whatever. Um, but I think productivity is a big part of it. Now, hang on. One little clarifier. I don't know that it's always like they're not doing the job my way. Therefore, they need to move on. That's epic fail from bad leaders, immature leaders, insecure leaders that don't want to be, you know, outshined essentially uh, or overshadowed or whatever. Um, so so it's not that. Uh, but, you know, I'm assuming people listening to this and watching this are smart, intuitive leaders and they, they kind of know what we're saying here. Um, you can tell when somebody's treading water and kind of starting to go under when they're just, you know, like, hey, this is terrible. I'm just here to get a paycheck. Right. And, uh, and I want to help them get to a place where they're fruitful and fulfilled. That's my definition of success is where they're fruitful and they're fulfilled. Both mm -hmm. of them, not one or the other, but both of those, right. uh, I want I want to help them faster and hopefully it's with me, but if they can't, that's okay. No hard feelings. I'm going to move them on mm -hmm. uh, pretty quick. That's great. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, I always love to ask this question with everybody's because it's so different, but like, what do you, because obviously as a, you have to, as a great leader, you always have to be disciplined of some sort, yeah. something that you do every day or a mm-hmm. routine of some sort. What does your routine look like? Maybe on a weekly basis, or if it is the same thing every day, uh, what does that look like? Um, so the main routine I have, I'm just going to stick with the morning. So I'm a morning person. Um, I like to sleep. Uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to go to bed early and sleep for a very long time. But at the end of the day, I, or at the beginning of the day, I want to start out with intention. Yeah. Um, the morning morning is a big deal for me. So any routine I have is in the morning and then it fades throughout the day. Yeah. So all my, all my intentions run sideways when I had a bad conversation or I ate the wrong thing for lunch or whatever, you know, it starts to go sideways, but I can control almost everything in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so I, and I might as well maximize that. So I'm getting up at the same time every day. Uh, my alarm goes off about 4.55, 4.53. Actually, I try to do like random odd numbers. Yeah. Um, my brain somehow wakes me up before the alarm. I don't ever use an alarm. I mm-hmm. usually wake up before it, which is weird uh i make a certain drink every single morning uh i'm on a keto lifestyle for the last three plus years yeah uh, so i make a certain drink every single morning uh i'm out the door by 5 10 i drive i use planet fitness because i can go to those all around the country yeah. uh, i meet a guy up there at planet fitness we hit it for an hour uh i'm back before the kids wake up i wake the kids up i was actually just texting a bunch of friends i have a um, like a text thread of about 15 dads and we just talk mm-hmm. about dad stuff and we yeah. were talking about this very thing this morning um but uh, but I want to set the tone for my kids. I believe that's a great father job, the job for the dad. Um, there's a lot of power in that. So, so I set the tone. I wake them up calmly, quietly, kind of get them going, positive affirmation, physical touch, the whole bit. Mm-hmm. We make them breakfast, uh, take them to school. Or my, my wife might do that. Most of the time she does that because they prefer her to do that. Yeah. And they get to school. And then I can start having my, my day, my, you know, take a shower, do my things. Mm-hmm. But that right there, I set the tone for myself. Uh, I get myself in a, in a great spot. I help my kids get up and my family and my wife, the same thing, get in that spot. Cause she's not an early riser. She will get up obviously to move the kids forward as well. But right. generally she'd sleep till nine if she could to stay up late. Um, so my routines are, are very much in the morning. And then one other little thing I do, um, and you've heard about it and everybody has their version of this, I guess, but I've been converted in the last about six months to the, uh, to the Lectio 365 following. <laughs> so that's, that's my tool for, yeah. Uh, personal quiet time, devotional time in the morning. Uh, sometimes I'm doing that in the uh, massage chairs at the gym. It's dark yeah. and quiet in there. <laughs> yeah. So right. I feel like that's just a better place than my couch. But anyway, so that's also in there generally the same time, same flow every week, mm-hmm. or excuse me, every morning. And that that goes all the time. I mean, weekends, I'll generally try to take the same flow. And that's a routine that keeps me moving towards, yeah. again, the free time where I can flex. But I want that mm-hmm. morning or those parts of the day to kind of get me off in the same, I don't know, same rhythm. Yeah. No, and that's why I love asking that question because everybody is so unique. Like I, um, mm-hmm. I interviewed an artist yesterday. He's like a um, musician and producer, and he st- he wakes up at like nine p.m. and works till three a.m. because that's mm. and of course he's a creative, so he has no schedule, no routine. Right. But he produces something, <laughs> and he's growing his business is growing. I'm like, I don't understand, right. but I've led creatives. I forced myself to be creative because I owned a marketing agency. Yeah. Right? four years but yeah um it's uh, yeah it just baffles me my wife gets yeah. up at like 4 30 to wake up like and go work out I'm more of like a 6 a.m kind of guy wake up 6 yeah. a.m crush my bible time shower yeah I work out super random at 11 which um and then I shower and I have a reset so that's great 
I go right into my afternoon and I'm an afternoon guy. So, so man, I'm with you on the workout real quick. I, uh, so at, at elevation though, the headquarters is phenomenal. It's a great field trip for anybody who has the opportunity to go over there. Um, mainly because it's intentionally built around the culture of Pastor Stephen and the church. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not amazing architecture. There's fancier buildings, uh, that I would suggest have wasted money on cool looking, you know, wall. Right. But over there, we had multiple gyms. Um, and so I would do the same about 10, 1030 was my prime time to go in there for an hour and work out. Uh, it's a great time to work out with your team or with your people. So I'm with you on the midday workout stuff. If you have that job or that, yep. uh, like in that case, you have a gym at the office or we have two gyms at the office. So those kind of things are game changers. I'm with you on that. It doesn't fit my schedule now based on what I do or, or you know, who I live with, but, right. but I'm, I'm with you. I would prefer yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. We, we don't have kids. We don't even have a dog. So I'm straight for now. Oh, you're good. You're a saint. Right. Good for you. So you must be a, you're a Cowboys fan, I assume. But yeah, we've talked uh, about Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, so I'm from Texas, born and raised, and right. I came of age in the '90s, man. So I was yeah. sixth grade when they were when they when they got hot in the in the early '90s. So perfect time to become a fan. Um. So yeah, now I'm my, stuck with it. My dad went to school with Jay Novacek. So. Oh man, he's we, a hero. Yeah, hundred percent. We I actually became a Cowboys fan though, um, because the most popular kid in sixth grade was a Cowboys fan, and I was like, well, I just gotta emulate everything he does. That's right, um, you do. So. I've had to just stick with it. I mean, it's not like you can be public with it. I feel like if you live in Texas, there's a, a right to enjoying the Cowboys. But I live, fine, I, live in, I live in Nebraska. Like, what what do we have? You know? Yeah, you know, I feel like the Cowboys though is everybody's team who doesn't have a team, especially if you're in those like Midwest plain states or whatever. You're good, man. It's fine. But it's okay to also hate them all the time and talk bad about them. I post an equal amount of uh, negative memes about them as well. So. All the teams that I liked growing up, I was called a bandwagon, but I've been consistent since 2001. Like, no team has changed. So it's like, stay loyal. None of them make sense at all, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> last couple of questions, man. Um, what? So I'm 23. I turned 24 this year. What advice would you give to a 23-year-old? Um, just just one thing? Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> it's different, too, because, like, I, I would not say that I'm a typical 23-year-old. A typical 23-year-old is one year out of college. I've, yes, I've been leading for seven years on a church staff. Like, there's this kind of a difference. Yeah. But, um, just yeah. a holistic view. Whoever's listening to this probably is yeah. not in that seat, but um just some and i'll give can i can i give just a few quick hits like yeah they don't have to be deep principles like let me start with the top five i mean like first well excuse me in no particular order um if you're not a millionaire by 40 just through smart boring investing man i'm gonna burn your house down what a what a waste if you're not a millionaire by 40 it's that simple and easy Uh, i wish somebody would have told me at 23 Uh, i actually help and coach a lot of people on that now a lot of people a lot of my friends that work at elevation still in their 20s and 30s uh again common text thread a lot of conversations around that that is that is something for some reason is only reserved for old people and i do not understand that sweet mother start investing or saving now um that obviously not on my list but i'm assuming we're already past that everybody needs to freaking be tithing (laughs) right and you know live within your means and all the day ramsey stuff or whatever that's fine do all that but i'm saying like from an investment standpoint multiply your money make your money work for you um I know that's not a Christian answer, but I also think it is a Christian answer. Oh, it's great. Um, secondly, uh, man, get yourself a coach uh, in everything you do. If one guy coaches everything you do, that that person sucks. They're not a coach. Yeah. 
But I'm saying if you're a preacher, man, get you somebody that can coach you in preaching or communication. If, if right. it's uh, just life coach stuff, get you somebody like that. If it's finance, get you somebody that's a finance coach. But um, most people find that out too late. Get you a freaking coach. Um, real quick, uh, a Craig Rochelle podcast is not a coach. He's freaking brilliant. If you get the chance to know him, good for you. But right. the podcast is not a coach. Carrie Newhoff podcast is not a coach. Mm-hmm. So find yourself a human being that you can go back and forth with and get a coach in whatever you need to be coached in. Um, then, then do that. Uh, that'd be a huge one. Yeah. Um, I think an internal processor thing would be really good to just probably, it's almost like the opposite of, you know, those people that do like morning confessions or something, you know, <laughs> right. kind of like, it's kind of like that where I would say, just, just consciously tell yourself, Hey, listen, I'm not smart yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there, I guess you could call that be humble or something. I'm trying to give you something real specific, like at 23, if you've accomplished what I know you've accomplished, that's great. Uh, so imagine what you could do. Right. So, you know, everything's evaluated based on potential, not based on the comparison. So of, of somebody else. So I think it's just a good healthy reminder of like, Hey, listen, I haven't arrived yet. You know, maybe put a date on the calendar. Hey, when I turn 30, yeah, start throwing some, you know, start having some swagger. Fine. But in my twenties, I wish somebody would have told me that. And I was sometimes, oftentimes, matter of fact, Larry Bryce, when we used this phrase, I'd never heard this phrase to a meeting we had in Texas and I was at the ripe old age of 27. He goes, Oh, I see your problem. You've always been the smartest one in the room. And if I said that, it sounds cocky, but when somebody else says it, it's like, frick, that's not a good thing. Right. Um, and so it's just really good to know because sometimes in your case, and, and there's other people listening who probably are legitimately the smartest one in the room, and that's not actually a great thing. So find you another room yeah. uh, and tell yourself at least, and I haven't arrived yet. And that'll, that'll serve you really, really well because you'll stay in that hunger mode of, of trying to do it. Um, number four, uh, I don't care that some people say there is such thing as a night person or a day person. No, the sun comes up. His mercies are new every morning, not every night at midnight. Um, right. So learn to be a morning person because the stock market opens in the morning. Breakfast places open in the morning. Your mom has always told you, your grandma always told you nothing good happens after sun goes down. That's true. Right. So I don't care if you're creative. I don't care if you're 23. I don't care if you have a night schedule unless you have that night schedule that you do that job. But like, man, learn to be a morning person because that's when the freaking world does things. So I'm just going to say it, man, grow up and move yeah. towards like getting up and doing life during the day. Mm-hmm. And then last but not least, please don't get fat. Yeah. Um, please eat good, live good, sleep good. You need your eight hours. That's not an old man thing. That's a smart thing. All your hustlers out there from Gary V to your Tom Brady's to your Jordans to your young athletes, whoever they may be in the moment, like they all go to sleep. They all eat well. They all, they all live well from a body standpoint. And that is not taught, number one, in schools. And it sure as heck is a top church. You can right. be anti-abortion, anti-divorce, anti-everything and pro-biscuit. And somehow that's okay. Right. I don't buy that. So, um, so yeah, and that's not genetics either. Um, no. So definitely just like focus on your health uh, because it will come back to bite you. Everyone knows this, but they don't operate that way. Um, and that, I had to play, I had to play catch up and go in reverse and get back into shape. Um, but that's my list of five. That took too long to tell you that list, but that was a fun no, little list of, the, of things to talk about. <laughs> it's imperative. Like we, we think about my wife and I always talk about this because it always fires me up how we yep. talk about like three sins as a Christian, but we don't ever talk yeah. about gluttony. I've never nope. heard a sermon about McDonald's, you know, <laughs> ever. And, and it's imperative because um, yeah. literally anytime someone asks me for a quote unquote leadership advice, I go drink water. Like, I don't know. Good. Um, like, good. Go on the treadmill for 15 minutes in the morning. And <laughs> you know, like it's, it's That's so great. much more. Obviously, there's a spiritual side of things, but also it's yeah. 
very practical. Like they go hand in mm-hmm. hand. Um, yeah. so if you're over spiritual, um, bring, bring it, you know, but you need to have yeah. practicals too. So, yeah. Yeah. and is there any last words that you would give um, the viewers or myself before we wrap this up? Um, I mean, I probably should have put this on the list that you just asked me, but I do think it's always fun to include in conversation because, you know, your network's never too big. Mm-hmm. Like get to know other people, reach out to people, DM some people, um, text some people you haven't talked to in a while, find some new followers. If you're a church leader, feel free to follow people who don't who aren't Christian, yeah. um, not arbitrarily that are just angry all the time. I'm not saying that, but you know, if you're getting all of your church growth knowledge from church, other church people, that's, that's a fail. Um, even the ones that you think are big and popular and famous, I can promise having been in the meeting with those people, it's not the end all be all. So your network's never too big. So, you know, reach out to some, uh, some people, follow some new people. And again, get some coaching from those people, man. It's going to make your life better. Yeah. hundred percent. I've even found the past probably four years of my life, like that has been the value of not only just myself and my confidence as a leader, but also just the knowledge I've been able to learn, or even like take something that you've said from a post and send mm-hmm. it to a guy who's in Idaho, yeah. you know, and like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna follow this guy, or right, like, there's this constant, this web, and the which is funny, um, yeah, <laughs> that's got to be a logo someday, you know, but that's right, that's right, <laughs> but I mean, just people who um, are constantly burnt out, aren't growing, their church probably isn't growing, their marriage is stagnant, they don't have friends, and they don't have a network and now, and it's some people overcomplicate it. Like it's just about yeah. value and being nice. Like Christians are the first people to throw that one at the window. It's like, yep. just smile and say hi. Like, yeah. All right. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> well, dude, thank you so much for being on. I appreciate it. Um, I hope that yeah. any viewer listeners had their notebooks out and soaked in. Um, yeah. We have, make sure you follow uh, him on Instagram and um, I found him on LinkedIn. So Please. that's how our, is that really how we found each other? Dude, you popped up on my feed the two times a year I go on LinkedIn. And I was going to uh, say, I'm on LinkedIn two times a year. So that's, a, <laughs> I've never heard that before. That's funny. <laughs> so I just was like, I looked guy on the gram and I was like, whoa, oh, you man. so, so okay. <laughs> thanks for being on. I appreciate it. Yeah.